Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Cheers to Justice. This is the show where we talk true crime, and me and my guest will share a drink together. Before we get started, just want to let you know that you can find me on Instagram at Cheers to Justice, where I post pictures of the crime that we are talking about in each episode. Or you can also email me at cheers to justice at gmail.com for any case suggestions or if you just want to say hi. I am your host, Aus Kaz, and with me today is actually our first reoccurring guest. It is my lovely girlfriend once again, Kayla. Hi, how are ya? How you doing, Kayla? I'm great. How are you? It's weird when I call you Kayla. Yeah, it is. It's very strange. How you doing, like babe? I'm good. I'm <laughs> great. That's better. <laughs> All righty. Um, so last episode, we talked about the murder of Tim McLean from Canada. So if you want to hear that, just go back one episode and give it a listen. Today, our drink of choice is going to be, it's called Blue, and it's from Fox Valley Winery in Oswego, Illinois. This wine is made with blueberries and blackberries, and it tastes like a handful of fruit, and it's not too sweet and not too tart. It is just right. So before we get into the story, me and my guest, like always, are going to cheers to justice. So cheers, babe. Yeah, it's definitely not too sweet, not too tart. It, it's definitely like it's just right. It's all grape right. juice for sure. Yeah. It's dangerous. I really like it. Yeah, I could probably put a bottle of that away real fast. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you give it out of 10? Uh, I don't know. Sometimes I do like the... Like the harshness of like a red. Right. You know, like the dry. This is a little like a sangria sweet for me. I I haven't. So as you know. I would use this as a sangria. Right. As you know, I've only just started being a wine person. Yeah. I don't think I've ever even tried sangria. But it definitely doesn't taste like a wine. Yeah. It definitely. I I do love it. I love it. Honestly, I'd probably give it like a solid seven. Yeah, I would I would say that as well. Yeah, just because I do like a good harsher red once in a while. And this right. Is just yeah. Yeah. On the sweeter side for me, but it is good. It definitely is way too easy to drink. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um. So before we get started in the show, I think I deserve, or my listeners deserve, an apology for taking a while to get this episode out. I'm sorry if I've disappointed everyone, but from here on out, I will be forthcoming and we'll let you know. But right now, we're back. So let's talk some true crime. Um, before, before we get into the story, I realized on your episode, the first episode, I never asked you, do you listen to any true crime podcasts or TV shows no. or anything? TV shows, yes, lots. Lots and lots. It was my favorite. I centered my want to be life around it for a while. Uh, I really wanted to be a criminal psychologist right. for a long time. Um, criminal Minds was basically my wannabe lifestyle. I, I wanted everything and anything to do with that. Right. I wanted my life to be the TV show. Then I quickly realized it was not going to be the TV show, so I decided against it. But um, not so much podcasts now. You you like 
pref- you prefer TV. watching than lots, listening. Yeah. 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 No, I get it. I, I, I only just started watching Criminal Minds, as obviously you know. Yeah. It's, uh, I like it, to see the picture instead of like paint it for myself, essentially. Yeah, and you, you, you do watch uh, documentaries here and there too, right? I do. Yeah. I have watched and like um, Unsolved Mysteries. I've watched a lot yeah. of those. Um, not so much Unsolved in my book because I pretty much solved them all. I think in your head. In my head, yeah, yeah I really do <laughs> believe that. Um, but that's that's fine. It's fine. You know, whatever. But yeah, I love true crime TV. Cool. Yeah. So, um, you ready to get this um story started? Absolutely. I'm excited. All right. So right off the bat, I want to give a huge trigger warning. Uh, this episode will talk about um the sexual assault and murder of a child so if you don't like those kinds of things then feel free to not listen if you want to listen great but today we are going to be talking about the murder of megan kanka and the the murder happened on july 29th 1994 in hamilton hamilton township new jersey so I really could not find a lot on uh, young Megan Kanka. Uh, she was born December 7th, 1986 in New York City, but lived in Hamilton Township, New Jersey. She was born to Maureen and Richard Kanka, and she was the youngest sibling to one brother and one sister. And at the time of her death, she was just seven years old. I will get to the perpetrator in a little bit. I just want to start off with talking about the crime. So, on July 29th, 1994, seven-year-old Megan Kanka disappeared from her neighborhood in Hamilton Township, New Jersey. Went out, outside to play, riding her bike, and her parents, Maureen and Richard Kanka, noticed that her bike had been abandoned on their own front lawn and started the search started a search for young Megan. They were aided by several neighbors, including one, Jesse. Okay, now, he has a ridiculous name. And I'm going to try and, you know, I don't even care if I butcher it because, spoiler alert, he's a piece of shit. So, Jesse Timidequa. Timidequas. We'll go with Timidequa. Or we can just call him a piece of shit. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to guess perpetrator. Maybe. <laughs> Red flag. Uh, so they were aided by several neighbors, including one Jesse Timidequa, who so was... the one that comes back. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was 33 years old at, at the time, and he lived across the street from the Kankas with his roommates, Joseph Cefeli and Brian Jenin. Well... People from the neighborhood were looking for young Megan. One of them alerted the police about one of Tim and Dequa's roommates, Joseph Cefeli. Thank you. <laughs> so they, the neighbors alerted police of one of Jesse's roommates, Joseph Cefeli, who was actually charged with carnal abuse and sodomy of a five-year-old girl in 1976. He was convicted of three lesser offenses as well. Cefeli's mother was the owner of the house occupied by Timidequa, Joseph Cefeli, and Brian Jenin. 
Wait, so the one guy was already like a like on the sex offender list or not? Yeah, so what's his name? Cefeli? Yeah, Joseph Cefeli. He was a already a sex offender. Ugh. And another red flag. Yeah. Cefeli and, and Jenin, who both were actually convicted sex offenders, both had alibis when Kanka went missing. So, as you can see, it's kind of the three, the three sex offenders, two of them had alibis, one didn't. Spoiler alert, the perpetrator is Jesse Timidequa. Yeah. All right. So, before we get more into uh, the crime, let's learn about Jesse Timidequa. And anytime I listen to a true crime podcast, so I will say Jesse had a terrible upbringing. You may want to feel bad for him, but mm-hmm. just think about what he does in the future yeah. as an adult. So, Jesse was born on April 15th, 1961. He was the son of Charles W. Hall, but he was also known as Skip Tinamadequa. Timidequa. Whatever. Whatever, yeah. Charles Hall actually took the name Timidequa after seeing it on a tombstone. So he was perusing around a cemetery and just happened to see a tombstone with the, that last name. And he was like, huh, I want oh. that to be my last name. Ha, ha, what? <laughs> okay. What, what? Red flag. Yeah. When I read that, I... Like, how does someone just steal someone's last name who it has already passed away? Well, you know, it was also the six or 50s, 60s, whatever. Like, there wasn't... Uh, yeah. Rules. So, uh, Jesse was actually mentally, mentally impaired as a result of fetal alcohol syndrome. Mm. I'll get to his mother in just a second. Jesse and his family lived in extreme poverty and was usually on welfare. Growing up, Jesse's life was very difficult in regards to his home life. His father, as his lawyers described, was some sort of beast. He forced the boy to have oral and anal sex with him, fondled him, and compelled him to watch as he raped his other children. Good Lord. Not father of the year at all. (laughs) By what means? Zero. Zilch. None. Goodbye. Needs to be put in the ground. Jesse's father also tortured and killed the children's pets, and he would threaten the children by saying he would kill them if he told anyone what his father had done. How is this man not, like, nationally known? I have no clue. Like, how is this not, like, a dumb, because it was one crime and he wasn't a serial killer? Maybe he was just never convicted of it. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, he only. Yeah. Uh, Going on to his mother, she had a total of. Ten children with seven seven different men. Seven of the children were either given to the state or taken from her. She neglected her children and would only care about her many lovers and getting drunk. Uh, Serial killers did this woman birth. Seriously. It's sick. Jesse was actually forced to assume the role as caregiver to the family, but he was completely incapable of doing this because obviously of his yeah um, yeah yeah. many many ailments yes not only was he incapable of doing this 
his mother and siblings would, would also reject him because he resembled his father way too much. By the time Jesse was 17, the family had, had moved a total of 21 times, which made it impossible for him to find support in friends or school officials. In 1979, Jesse pleaded guilty to the attempted aggravated assault of a five-year-old girl in Pis- Piscataway Township, New Jersey. How old was he? Uh, let's see. It was in 1979, and he was born in 61. In 61. He's 18. 18, yeah. Jeez. He was given a suspended sentence, but he failed to go to counseling. After failing to do that, Jesse was then sent to the Middlesex Adult Correctional Center for nine months. In 1981, the piece of shit human pleaded guilty again in regards to the assault of a seven-year-old girl and was subsequently imprisoned at the Adult Diagnostic and Treatment Center, ADTC, in Avenel, New Jersey, for six years. <clears throat> so by this point, he's what, like 25, 26? Something like that, yeah. yeah. Definitely in his adult life and yeah. knows better not to do this shit. It was reported by the staff at the ADTC that Jesse participated very little in the treatment program offered at the facility. One therapist that treated him even described him as a whiner and who spent most of his time sleeping. And he looks like that type of person. If you go on my Instagram, you will see what he looks like. And yeah, he definitely looks like that type of person. Another therapist stated that Tim and Daqua would eventually commit another sex crime. However, she did not believe he would commit murder. So that's about Mr. Piece of Shit Jesse. Okay. So let's, let's go back to the day of July 29th, 1994. We may need to kill a whole bottle after. I need a drink after this. <sighs> rough. Yeah, I told you this is going to be a rough episode. <laughs> so while, in, in, while the investigators are investigating the scene of the disappearance, they found cut up strips of cloth in garbage bins that Jesse had handled. Megan's mother, Maureen Kanka, recognized the cut-up cloth material from the shorts, and she realized that that was the shorts that her daughter has been wearing the day of the disappearance. Mm -hmm. So then, as any kind of officer would do, they brought Jesse in for questioning, and he initially denied the crime, but dun-dun-dun-dun, eventually admitted that he had killed Megan. He just straight up was like, oh, yeah. By the way, I did that. Yeah. Okay. Even if Jesse kept on denying that he did kill the young girl, there was a bunch of damning evidence to support that he was, in fact, the perpetrator. Evidence included bloodstains, hair, and fiber samples. Jesse shared with the investigators during his interrogation that he had been watching Megan play outside while he lived across the street from her. As he did, he said, quote, I would get sweaty palms and my heart would race. <laughs> and it, in my notes, I wrote, disgusting. Yeah, ew. <laughs> Gross. He's a uh, piece of shit. Nasty. Nasty. Nasty piece of shit. I hope he's rotting somewhere right now. He is. After admitting to the crime, he directed authorities to where he left her corpse in Mercy County Park. So he just drove her body to a county park and put 
put it in a garbage can. Like she's some sort of trash when she isn't. She's a human, a human being who had her entire life ahead of her. How can someone just? I I will never fathom. Like he's literally done with it, like a like a literal piece of garbage. Yeah, a wrapper, like a candy wrapper. It's infuriating. It's disgusting. And see, this is exactly why I wanted, and it still to this day just infatuates the hell out of me. Like. I said it on the first episode, like, I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. Why does this person think that this is just okay? Yeah. Like, he just thought that this was okay to do. Like, Like, this is just, he's, this is just, I'm just done with you. I'm done with you. Like, you're nothing. Like, you're just another toy. Like, you're just. Like, chemical imbalances in the brain or like, regardless of that. You know right from wrong. You're a 33-year-old fucking man. Yeah, but right from wrong is so different in their brain. Like, right. Their brain is legit telling them that this is a right thing to do. Like, yeah. That chemical imbalance is on crack yeah. compared to like our mental illness chemical imbalance. Exactly. That and- is not a depression anxiety chemical imbalance okay yeah like that is they say that's not incurable like curable like his chemical that is not curable that is insane you need to be put down i'm sorry whoever does not believe in whatever like death bro dogs need to be put down humans need to be put down just as much we have just the same animal instinct just like a mother protecting their cub. Like exactly. A, a mother bear protecting their cub. A mother protecting a son. A mother protecting her daughter. Like, it's the same, but it's his chemical and... Imba- it's just, it, it, And he was, al- he was already convicted twice of... You can tell me that he's sick. Yes, he clearly is sick. Like, he yeah. has something chemically wrong with him. He is so sick in the brain. Absolutely. Yeah, my warrant an institutionalization of some sort but put him and he sh- down. he should never have been put him down he should never have been let out of the no facility or nope. prison or wherever the hell he was no. after that second second no child was Anybody sexually that assaulted looks at a child like that yeah is needs to be put down because the chemical imbalance is just so it's too great yeah it's, I, it's too great. And, you know, like, on this show, like, I want to, I, I would love to keep things uh, lighthearted and yeah, no, crack jokes. And you can't e- always. I know. It's... But, like, this one is just so, dis- like, depressing that it's just hard to make jokes, even with this disgusting piece of shit. It kind of reminds me of, uh, there's another movie that we have to watch, I have to introduce you to, because I'm sure, I don't know, have you seen The Changeling? No. I've heard of it. Wow. Wow. Oh, boy. (laughs) My mom and my sister are going to be listening to this, and they're like, oh, my gosh, The Changeling, because I watched it on repeat. It's, excuse my language, everybody, but it's fucked. (laughs) You don't need to excuse language. This is a, we can. fucked. It's fucked. (laughs) Back in the fifties, her son gets taken. So it's, ooh, it's fucked. It's so good. It's so good. 
we, we'll have to watch that soon. The cops bring back a son that's not hers. Like, it's it's so I th- good. Is it based on a true story? I believe so. Because I think I may it's have based heard. based on true events. Not everything in it is, you know, it's not the entirety of a true story. Right. But Oh, the one that I'm thinking of, I think, happened in the 20s. It was the 20s. Was it, it in was California yes. that it had to do with a like a, a farm? A farm, yes. I know exactly yes. what you're talking about. Yeah, it's like a chicken farm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And some guys run it, and they literally are like selling kids out of it or some crazy shit. And it's so good. The I know exactly what you're talking so about, and good. I want to tell that story. It's amazing. On on the show someday. Anyway, back to the yeah, back to back the story. to the real one or the why we're here. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Uh, no, that's okay. You know me. <laughs> I no, I appreciate it anytime a guest has any sort of input. Um so yeah, back to the story. Um Megan Megan Kanka's body was found just one day after she went missing on July thirtieth, nineteen ninety four. If all the evidence that they found beforehand wasn't damning enough, investigators also noticed a bite mark on Jesse's hand that matched Megan Kanka's teeth, which mean that she indeed tried to fight back. Yeah, a little fighter. Oh, it also breaks my heart too that she is a little, you know. Yeah. Almost brings tears to my eyes. Poor little. Girl. No, it, when I w- I mean, I wasn't even alive. Like. Right. Yeah, we were <laughs> we both born. Even, we weren't even sperm and eggs yet. Like. <laughs> we, we were both born in '95. So. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even. Like I wasn't even a thought at this point, but it just it does it brings tears to my eyes that this little girl was such a spicy little and the fact like, tamale she had to, that she had she to fight to in fight her back. yeah yeah she tried to fight somebody 25 years older than her and he just dumped her off in a garbage can like he she was actually nothing is heartbreaking yeah so during the, uh the trial so obviously jesse was arrested went to jail during the trial all the information came out as to how tim and Dequa Lord Kanka into his home. Oh, really got me. Jeez. You need a minute? No, it's just, I think the wine and like, <laughs> you know, I'm all for the fighting back. So that yeah. just, it really, that really pulled my heartstring there. Yeah. <laughs> so all the information came out as how he lured her, he lured her in his home by lying to her that he wanted to show her a puppy, a fucking puppy. And when he finally got her into his house, he began to rape and sodomize her. Then after this terrible, terrible action, he then strangled her with a belt. Let me just say, you could get my ass into any house with a puppy, so that's not fucking fair. Yeah. And First the off, fact that it's a seven-year-old girl. First off, you can get my, like a, my ass into any house with any kind of puppy. Yeah. So, fucking rude. Second, come on. Don't fucking put her through that. If you're going to do something Or just don't up, touch her at on. all. <laughs> Obviously, don't fucking touch her at all. I'm not telling anybody to go touch a seven-year-old girl like that, but come on, you sick son of a bitch. After the trial ended, Tim Adequa was found guilty on charges of kidnapping, four, four counts of aggravated sexual assault, and two counts of felony murder causing a death in the course of certain specific felonies. In the state of New Jersey in 1994, the death penalty was a thing. So the court sentenced 
Jesse Timidekwa to death. Congressman Dick Zimmer stated, I believe he is exactly the kind of predator that the legislatures had in mind when they enacted the death penalty. I tend to agree. Yep. Jesse, Jesse Timidekwa was sitting in death row in New Jersey until December 17th, 2007, when the New Jersey legislature abolished capital punishment Shut in the, the state. Shut fuck up. As a result of the death penalty being abolished, he was then sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole, where he, to this day he still remains. So he's still alive, which I hope that he is having an awful time in prison. I hope. I mean, I will say, and everybody knows it. Everybody knows that child molesters and yeah. they get fucked. Yes, absolutely. In prisons. They are the first. They are the first. I mean, look what happened to Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. Like, yeah, he. He was literally, he didn't last a year. Or, yeah. Like, he was literally in prison or something for like six months or something. Yeah, I don't even yeah. think. It, yeah. It was fast as hell and he got shanked so quick. He got shanked and then he got beaten with a. Like a weight or some yeah, shit. Yeah, I think it was a weight, yeah. yeah or like he, a, a barbell. A yeah. barbell. Uh, whatever. A bench press bar, maybe? I don't know. Whatever. We're not talking about Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. Either way, <laughs> we all know that child molesters and people like him do not do well. So I would almost guarantee that he's probably in like solitary confinement for the rest of his life. So be it. I hope he's going crazy and I hope he. Uh, he's already crazy. He's oh, been yeah. crazy. I, he's I hope he's having crazy. a terrible time and I hope he. There's a lot of there's a lot of ill will on that motherfucker. Let's just say that. Yes, absolutely, babe, and listeners. You may be wondering why am I telling you this terrible, terrible story? Well, it turns out after this uh, crime happened, Megan's family fought and fought state legislators for a new law, arguing that if they had known about Jesse's past, they would have been able to protect their daughter more. I believe that which as well. I, I do not I don't blame them for not protecting her enough because they can only do what they could. And she she was just having a fun day and what were they, riding her bike. Are they were state legislators trying to tell them that they weren't doing enough for their kid? I'm glad you asked. Because no, they weren't. They listened. And one month after the murder of Megan Kanka, the New Jersey General Assembly passed a series of bills proposed by Assemblyman Paul Kramer that would require sex offender registries with a database tracked by the state community notification of registered sex offenders moving into a neighborhood and then life in prison for their second time offenders. Did that make sense? Wait, so did this family pass the law? They fought legislators to get a new law passed for, for the database online. No, so that was already a thing. Okay, but it's a law that notifies the community that sex offenders Our move movie. to uh, that hey, a sex offender is moving into this home. So it gives the community notice, and in in that in that case, able to. I guess, in a sense, protect their families more, which, I mean, what more can they really do? I know I get, exactly. I understand that, but at the same time, like, I get it. 
I mean, the more you know, like if you know who they are, like they need to be singled out. They need. Yeah, they, a- exactly. They one hundred percent because, like, I, that database online, like you look up their name and it shows like that little red dot yep. on their house. Absolutely. Like, you need to know who those people are because it. I mean, look, look at Ted Bundy. He was the nice. Everybody says he was the nicest person. I had no idea he was like slaughtering seventy women. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh my god. Well, if there was a serial killer database out there, yeah, we would have known that he was slaughtering women. Yeah, right. Like, the more you know, and I wholeheartedly agree, yeah, there's not a lot you can do, but you're not going to have your kids out by themselves. Right. Megan would not have been out by herself. Right. With them living across the street. Or not even even her uh, not being out by herself, but her parents... Uh, teaching her that hey, you stay you the fuck go. away from yeah. this guy. Yeah, don't go from inside this fucking if he house. Tells you to go in, yeah, yeah. Got a fucking puppy in his house. Yeah. Okay, so this new bill would say it would obviously uh, inform the community that a sex offender is living here, and if the sex offenders would uh, offend again on their second strike, it'd be life in prison. With no... Like, no questions. Yeah. I don't disagree with that either. Yep, neither do I. Uh, Wait, so they get two chances, or well, they... Well, they already had their one chance oh, when they first committed... Oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. I was like, wait, 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 yeah. wait, wait, that doesn't make sense. I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that at all. <laughs> no, yeah, it's... They already had their first chance when they first committed the crime. But also, I'm questioning, did they know about these other... Just this trio of fuckery living across the street. Uh, if you remember, one neighbor actually did know that. Uh, I believe it was Safeli. Yeah. Uh, that she knew that he was already a convicted sex offender. And we weren't sharing that information, or. Well, at the time, because that was. Uh, we were just keeping that to ourselves, Miss Neighbor, Miss Karen. I mean, yeah, Is that you, what we you were make doing? you make a good point. Yeah. Thanks, neighborhood watch. <laughs> um. So Paul Kramer, who was the assemblyman, uh, he expressed incred- incred- inc- incredulity. What? Hold on, I gotta lo- <laughs> I gotta look that word up. Hold, please. <laughs> See, that would have been a good blooper. Yeah, right. What? <laughs> oh, I'm keeping this part in. <laughs> this ain't gonna be no blooper. Incredu- incredulity. The state of being unwilling or unable to believe something. So, that being said, he expressed that at the controversy created by the Bills, saying that Megan Kanko would would still be alive today if he if the proposed if the bill bills he proposed had been law. So, what I gather from this, it seems like Paul Kramer has already tried to pass these sorts of bills but of course a seven-year-old girl had to die for legislation to pass this bill does that make sense wait who's paul kramer he was the uh uh assemblyman for the new jersey general assembly who they all passed this bill megan's law okay and he believes that Megan would not have died if this was just done 
initially? Yes, correct. Okay. Yeah. So, like, I, I, from what I gather from this, it seems like he already tried to pass certain bills. He tried to do something about these fucking perverts. Yes. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. On May 17th, 1996, President Bill Clinton signed a federal version of Megan's Law, though state... Though states could set their own parameters for notification, the law required all states to have some sort of registry available to the public so people could know when a sex offender moved nearby. After all of this, the Kanka family founded the Megan Nicole Kanka Foundation, which is a nonprofit charity with the intent of preventing crimes against children. So Megan's, Megan's mom and dad just, in her honor, made a foundation to I, mean, I i just said it verbatim but yeah. to help crimes against children yes <laughs> um so that is the sad 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 fucking story of the murder of megan kanka before we end this i want everyone to take a moment to think of the young seven-year-old girl who could be in her 30s right now and living the life that she damn well should have. So that's that's the story. I'm sorry to bum everyone out. <laughs> I mean, it's really important though. For it, sure. that, that's why like, I told this because it's it's important because of the law that was passed, Megan's yeah. law. It's definitely needed because it's still a very very true and very 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 extremely scary thing that happens unfortunately yeah and to this day and and... yeah it really is and it's it's scary to say but it's like i said it's still out there and it's still let's finish our wine (laughs) (laughs) i mean hey cheers though that cherry fucker sitting in prison the rest of his fucking life and i hope you're having a shanks him to death you little shit let me actually double check to make sure that he actually hasn't been shanked to death yet. Yeah. Mm. Yep, he's still alive. Ugh. Yeah, he's definitely in solitary confinement because there ain't no fucking way he's just roaming around. Yeah, right. Absolutely not. All right. Well, that's I I hope you all I don't I don't want to say enjoyed, but I don't know how anybody could ever like I how you mentioned like, oh, yeah, you might feel bad for them. Like, I don't feel bad for you at all. No, yeah. You may feel like, bad for them when they're I don't feel bad for child. any way he and, was brought up. Like, But you, you grew up in that kind of like, environment. Like, I understand his environment was not yourself. brought on him. And that is not fair, obviously. But you're a product of your environment. Okay. Mm-hmm. And... I, I don't know. I just, he just, yeah, he never did anything to change it. Ever. Exactly. Ever. From the from the moment he could, he was always doing creepy shit. And I don't know. As much as some of this makes sense, like, psychologically, like, you look back and he like, this kid had a fucked up childhood. But then you look back on the first episode that we did and. He had a good childhood. He had a great childhood. Yeah. And, like, psychologically, like, he should have been fine. Exactly. But then you look at him as like a kid and the way things he was doing and you're just like, oh my God, like this kid is twisted. Yeah. And that makes sense like as to why he did what he did. 
Right. I don't know. It just, things make sense and then things don't and the world is fucked and he, I don't know. He just, he should have been put down a long time ago. He should have been put down at 18, man. After he committed the first, the first sexual one. offense. Yeah, it's always the first one and you just, it's like, you just don't change. Yeah. Things don't change. Especially when you're doing shit like that. I wholeheartedly it's like Jeffrey agree. Dahmer. Like he's, you're killing animals. You're killing animals. You're going to do weird shit. Okay. You're, that kid was killing animals. Dahmer? Jesse. He didn't kill animals. He said, you said he was that killing. That was his father. His father was killing his childhood pets? Yeah. Okay, well. Regardless. Either way. Yeah. Um, just not brought up correctly. And just things are, it just doesn't make sense. Things just don't make sense. And he, wow. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. You wonder what happened to the rest of the kids. Yeah, right. Hopefully the rest of the I have so ten many fucking, questions. Ten still. nine fucking children that they the mother had or more research because I have so many more questions of this genetic line. Right. Cause what the fuck happened to the rest of them if yeah. he ha- turned out like that? Yikes. Yeah. Big yikes. I'm gonna need more wine. <laughs> All right, well, That'll do it for this week's episode of Cheers to Justice. Babe, I want to thank you again for being my first reoccurring guest. It's not going to be the last. It absolutely will not be. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, everyone, think of, uh, think of young Megan today. And, uh, you know, we'll make sure you check out my Instagram at Cheers to Justice to see the pictures related to this crime. And also if you have any case suggestions or just want to say hi or give me constructive criticisms about, about my show, email me at cheers to justice at gmail.com. And also I hope everyone had a happy Thanksgiving and I hope everyone has an even merrier Christmas. And a happy new year. And a happy new year. Woo! Or happy holidays for those who don't celebrate Christmas. That being said, babe, let's cheers to justice. Cheers.